0: This
1: uh, this is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the
2: London 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 is Blue podcast.
0: Podcast.
1: All
2: right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon Joma, my co-host Nick and Dan, and gentlemen, we are here for the Burnley match review. Uh, Nick, you missed it, Um, and if you would have been there, you would have hear you would have heard a lot of confidence radiating out of Dan and I, almost, almost like. To gross
3: negligent standpoint. I would have been there right with you. I <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing that would have worried me ahead of this game about Burnley. And, you know, we'll we'll get into it, but I, I'm very, very, very frustrated.
2: Well, that should be an indicator for you fans that this will be a treat to listen, because Nick is fired That's up. <laughs> Dan Dan, on the other hand. Uh, you're going to, you going to balance out the seesaw or are we just going all gas, no brakes?
0: Oh, I think it's, it's definitely a, a balanced seesaw. It just depends upon which, which one of us is the elephant and the mouse on the seesaw today. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What, what is that? A fat joke? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorical fat joke, actually. So <laughs>
2: it's not real. Don't worry. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be touched on panic, maybe patience, maybe pressure, Maybe more patience. We'll we'll figure it out. We gotta we gotta try to work through how to react to this match because there's a lot of different takes. Uh, then we'll talk about Reese James, Reese James, and Hudson Adoy. Hot damn, they're looking good. And obviously, we'll give Cal a shout out for his birthday. Uh, happy birthday! He's only 21, by the way. Still only 21.
3: The this team has a fountain of youth. Nick is what I was trying to say. He's 13 years younger than I am. So how about that? <laughs> really cool stuff from Cal. <laughs> Oh, man, he's been around the first team for quite a while. So, all right,
2: well, Dan, let us go ahead and get the temp check, right? The, uh, the three-word match review, as we always do.
0: Well, there were a bunch. Uh, no surprise when it's a bit of a flashpoint result for some people. But John with the Pope blesses Burnley. Kate with the burned by Burnley. Uh, our friend Mr. Thurman with the No Luck November. Clip show with <laughs> Mohammed Jesus Pope. Uh, you know the the religious type of uh kind of challenges that Chelsea has run into with scores or goalkeepers, Jeremy with the smoke no fire, specifically calling out that it's a Pope related pun. Yeah, this is the theme here emerging. If you're un- unaware, uh, the blutiful game with finish your dinner exclamation point. Ben with drab dice draw. Claire with the do not overreact and Adi with the only gets harder looking at our run ahead.
2: I mean there's some good ones,
0: right?
3: Yeah, there's creativity shown there. I like that.
0: <laughs> I do some uh I
2: do enjoy some of obviously the the Pope ones. No luck November uh is a nice little rip off of uh, what other people are talking about. S- stop, stop, um, just don't go down the road. <laughs> don't go down easy, the road. Easy, easy tease the right? Whoa. Uh, I put
3: Look, you can't talk
0: about shaving mustaches in November around Nick Verlaney. You can't do it. It's
3: true. Baby, we're growing it. Come on now. All right. I put chances
2: were there. Uh try to keep it as obvious as humanly possible with that
3: one. Uh Nick? We got Burn lead. I mean, it's a verb for a reason. We got absolutely fucking burn lead. Yeah. Um Nothing I Nothing more to say. <laughs> I, uh, Burnley, the Midlands. Dan, what about you?
0: On another day. It's this game we, we created so much. On another day, this is a win. On another day, we lose to Brentford earlier in the season. Like, this is just the reality of playing in the Premier League.
2: It's it's welcome to the bottom uh, of the table. Really frustrating. Uh, I think it's kind of the general gist, right? As is, is, is we're kind of talking about through this, we'll get into it, but like, we talked about it. We were playing the 18th team in the league. They got like their first win just the previous week, and it, and it wasn't good enough from this squad. And uh, I think I think it's it is very interesting to hear kind of Tuchel's uh, post match comments. And so we'll get into that in a second. But we do want to get some shout outs, Dan. Right? Uh, we 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 got some shout outs, so it's time to reciprocate said shout outs.
0: Yeah, wonderful Apple Podcast reviews. We want to thank N Sayor from Canada, Jason Z one one seven from the U.S. The other AJ, because apparently there's another AJ in our lives, from the U.S., Uh, Abraham Adamson from India, Harry Ketch from the U.S., and B-Rad from The Bean from the U.S., all leaving wonderful five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done it yet, Uh, this is the season of thanks in the U.S. approaching us, and we would be super thankful if you left a five-star review while you're listening right now. Yeah, let's go do it. But until then, let's dive on in. So it
2: was Burnley this past Saturday, the 6th of November in the Premier League at Stanford Bridge. In case you somehow missed it, the scoreline was Chelsea 1, Burnley 1. Goals coming from Kai Havertz in the 33rd minute and Matej Vidra in the 79th minute. So we'll flip it over to friends at the fifth stand for the highlights. Uh, Shout out to Chelsea for letting us use uh, their highlights uh, to review it. So let's hear how the match went and then we'll hit in the lineup. Here we go.
1: Now there might be a break on. Abbott's finding Barclay. Hudson-Odoi the most advanced player here, but Burnley have got four back. Barclay's got to get his pass right, he did for Hudson-Odoi. Can he find room for a shot here? Good save from Pope, first time. And then second time, maybe two minds whether to go for goal or square it for Abbott. Chilwell's gone short with the corner to hudson Adoy. What's well, a brilliant ball in as well. Good chances in the opening, ten minutes here for Chelsea. Looking for a room for a shot, maybe. We moved it on to James. With a swish first time, Ross Barkley, didn't miss by much. Lovely effort there. Here's Rhys James. Havertz wanted it played in early. Now it comes in, to Kai Havertz. Easy as you like. Beautiful cross from James, and Havertz left all alone to nod in. his fourth goal of the season, and Chelsea make the breakthrough. Hudson-Odoi, swished in first time by James Thiago Silva, just raised the post on its way fast. Oh, didn't get the one to Barkley right, but he got there anyway, here's hudson Adoy. looking for Haberts, oh it should have been two, was there a touch from the defender, it's a goal kick. Jorginho, Chilwell, time to turn, find Barkley, here's hudson Adoy. Great chance for two. Good save again from Pope. Should he have had the opportunity to make it, though. And It's a lovely run. He's teed up Barkley. Well, that really should have been two. Taylor pinging it across to the other full-back, Loughton. More guided in. It's a good ball as well. Real chance here for Mate Vidra. Goal stands for now. Burnley have got themselves back level. Chelsea were waiting for a flag which never arrived. And that is that. It's a point which will feel like two drops for Thomas Tuchel. Final score here. Chelsea won. Burnley won. All
2: right, Dan, Lineup time.
0: It was well, Mendy between the sticks, Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Christensen, and Tiago Silva as your back three. Jorginho and Conte returned as the midfield duo with Ben Chilwell and Reese James on the flanks. And it was Ross Barkley, Calum Hudson-Odoi, and Kai Havertz as your attacking three. Kepa, Saar, Chalaba, Azpilicueta, Saul, and Ziesh all unused subs in this match. But we saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek and then a double switch of Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic come on in the match.
2: So that was an interesting lineup. Uh, and it produced this for stats, uh, just shy of 70% possession. We had, I'm sorry, this, this is taking me aback, 25 shots, only four of them on target. Burnley had five shots with two on target, so much more efficient than we were on the day. Um, they had 17 tackles, star eight. We had two clearances. They had 26 clearances. We had 14 corners to their two. We even had an offsize there. Four. We had one caution to their four. We conceded six fouls. They conceded nine. Absolute shit at its finest. And the XG coming in at Chelsea with 3.01. Bernie with 0.67. I am frustrated, Nick.
3: Immediate reactions? It's not good enough. I mean, it, it is not good enough. Uh, 25 shots is really, really good. It's a high total for a game. Like, they're, it, 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 like again, this is where, like, context comes in. Um, so we'll get into this in, in a little bit. But 25 shots is great. Some of the offensive movement was great. You know, some of the passing in the final third was great we did not really you know i know everyone was giving pope credit because he saved a couple of like nailed on goals there's no doubt about it but we didn't really test him that much like Mm -hmm. all said and that that's a problem and it's been a problem for a long time like it's it's not just this match it's not just you know the the you know a couple aberrations we had against these lower table teams over the last couple of weeks it is something that it has been a consistent theme of two goals time at Chelsea, and we just need to figure it out.
0: The XG gods finally clap back. They clap back with a vengeance. I think they that's sure twice
3: did. now. We've um,
2: underperformed XG. Uh, to have a 3.01 XG with the players and the caliber that we have, you should have two. Uh, we should have
3: had five, maybe two. I would have settled for two. We could have had five in the first 10 minutes. Like, I mean, that, that is... I, when, I
0: mean, the, the stats here would disagree with you just a touch.
3: I, I the test. movement wouldn't have, though. I mean, like, when you watch the game, th- that first 10 minutes was just rocking. Like, I actually haven't seen Chelsea that up for an attacking-type performance in some time. Even it took a while to get, you know, going at nor or against Norwich a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wait, I mean, no. we, were, we were flying out of the gate today. And, you know... Again, a couple of these things don't go right, and you just the doubt creeps in when you're not an efficient team in front of goal, and I think that's what happened. Well, to your point about 25 being a shitload of shots,
2: uh, I'm pretty sure that was a quote. Uh, After (laughs) Joe tweeting 25, Chelsea had 25 shots in their 1-1 draw with Burnley, their most in a Premier League home game that they failed to win since August 2015 against Crystal Palace, where we had 26 shots and even lost 2-1. Blue... Is there word on that one? So funny. Thanks, Opta. Not funny. Uh, NVPET, the Nick Verlani
3: patented eye test shithouse mode of the match was? Uh, Dan uh, from, from the Twitter account tweeted this. Of course, it was in my thoughts as well. Uh, we can't get away from Thomas Tuchel uh, and the absolute nonsense that was going on with him and Daish on the touchline. Uh, this reminded me a lot of uh, when we equalized against Manchester United a few years ago under Sari, and Sari's assistant coach came out in front of Mourinho and just gave him the big one. Uh, it was kind of like that.
1: <laughs> and, Lamps,
3: uh, Klopp. yep. And, uh, and, yeah, and then Lamps and Klopp. <laughs> Yeah, Damn it. That was so <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, man, good good times that we've had with managers here. But, uh, but Tuchel really dialed it up a notch yesterday. Comes up from sitting on the bench, Dan looks at Sean Dice like for a decent minute, and then fist pumps. Just a good, good fist pump in there. I really enjoyed it, and I think it shows me a little bit of fight and fire that uh, that he normally doesn't uh, exhibit on the on the touchline.
0: It was excellent. I think the the way both of them tried to push it to the side in the post-match press conferences after, like, oh, I'm a normal guy. I don't uh, <laughs> necessarily pay attention to these type of things from Dice, And then, you know, to be like, oh, I won't really speak about this. You know, like, it's, I don't know. It was great. I loved it. It was fantastic. It will be a gift in rotation. It would have been better if we won, but it still was a great moment. They, uh, they set the record for uh,
2: shortest handshake post-match ever. It was like, touch gone.
0: <laughs> did the hands even touch? You know, yeah, we're gonna get yeah, like an really Unsolved True. Mysteries episode. Like, <laughs> did, did they really actually touch?
3: It was the, uh, I, I will say too, um, for me, there, there is a, there's a good thing about this, right? Like, Tuchel knows it's not going our way. We, we're getting some calls that aren't necessarily going against us and the blind leading the blind with Andre Mariner out there, um, which is just tremendous. And then to understand, like, you know, the collision that set this whole thing off, uh, you know, was was Barkley, a little bit of a high boot, but then Ben Mee just coming in football tackle style and, and stopping progress. Right. Both thought it was a foul. Both managers thought it was a foul on their guy. And and then Dyche was upset because Tuchel barely left his technical area. And, and when they showed it, he barely left his technical area. He was still in the middle where the fourth official stands. So, uh, you know, look, this shit happens. They, you know. Deich gets paid too, you know. Th- these guys are competitive, and they they both want to win. And I like it. I want Tuchel to be more like this. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, Antonio Conte when he was here. Yeah, and then shout out on the runner up for Reese James giving Cornett the uh, reverse Hobberts treatment as well. Welcome to boy, the advertising boards, boy. When uh, when Reese James does something that he knows is wrong, he does not give an inch. F- facial expression wise, there is. He does, he does the sly, I don't know if Dan, if you saw this yesterday, he does like the sly like, me? I don't know, me? How could it possibly be me? What's wrong with you? Like, and well, no one's going to go push him because he's a tank. The
0: immediate handout, too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's good. Oh, and if you want <laughs> yeah. the hand, let me tap you on the back of your head. Just yeah. so let you know that it's okay. It's okay, kid. I got gotcha. you.
2: Yeah, he, he, he totally did like the big brother bullshit, right, of I'm going to do things that you know, I'm going to pretend they're nice, yeah, but I, I really know that back they back. piss you off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, some good, good moments in that. But let's go ahead and take our ad break. And when we get back, it is all about panic, relax, pressure, patience. How do we respond to what we just witnessed? So thanks to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. and We'll be right back. All right. Uh, on the flip side, uh, again, thank you. Going to continue to push Patreon. Uh, really enjoying the community and the Discord that we have going on there. Is it nears four hundred people, which is wild. Come on. <sighs> um. Uh. We also have a lot more pods. Uh, Dan, what a week ahead of us! Like two
0: five pod weeks in a row. Look, we, we no. took international last international break pretty light. It was an opportunity for us to refresh and reset, and uh, just like you, I. Uh, International break sucked. So uh, mm. we want to spend more time talking about football because we're going to miss it so dearly. Aston Villa women's match review. Matt Law making a return after a little bit of a break for him, too. Kings Road mailbag. Joe and I are going to dig into a bunch of Chelsea and non-Chelsea topics. Maybe even some commentary on Dune and Secession. <laughs> oh, uh, and then Pat Nevin coming back onto the Who? pod. And Come on. Pat. Uh, did you not know? We, Pat Nevin? Oh, my. Pat Nevin? Say it's true. Chelsea footballer? You're not teasing, right? Pundit, DJ, author, coming and talking about his book, The Accidental Footballer. We are super, super excited. Uh, It is not a Chelsea-specific episode. It is about him and the book, but the stories he tells, masterpiece episode coming your way.
3: Nobody else is going to get Matt. We have a lot of great guests on this show, okay? A lot. There are tremendous guests all over the show.
0: Now you're going to make somebody mad, Nick. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Maybe
3: I don't think they it. will just be say it. Just mad. Say it. For me, for me to say that Pat Nevin is probably my favorite guest that we've had on the show is is not going to upset anyone because he's that awesome. He is just that awesome. He is unbelievable. Professor Pat back with the stories, back with the anecdotes, back with with just an incredible perspective that, you know, you don't get from a whole lot of people. He's art and science all mixed into one. Uh, We absolutely love Pat, and you're going to want to stick around for that episode, I promise. Absolutely. We even have a giveaway in that one if you needed another reason to listen. So
2: anyways, uh, another big week. Hope you all enjoy it. So let us start to break this one down again. um, We want to figure out where is everyone at on the Panic O-meter scale of 1 to 10? Scary season is over, or is it? Um, I think... Looking at this game, knowing that we absolutely dominated statistically, and I'd say by the eye test, um, and all it came down to Rudiger not stepping with Thiago and Christensen for one moment that exposed us, and credit. Burnley handled it very well. That ball in was on a dime. Uh, the header across was perfect, and he was mm-hmm. calm, cool, collected to hit it over a sprawled Mendy. That's what it took for Burnley to get one on us. The fact that we didn't then get six or seven on them is where I think a lot of the concern comes from. Is that is that correct, Dan? Is not so much the Burnley side, but the, the
0: Chelsea side? The level of expectation for what this team is capable of has risen to a very high level. And I think mm-hmm. that that is the prism that I would look at this through. And again, n- no one should tell you how you – should feel after this, right? Like Nick feels very differently after this match than maybe I do. You listening may feel very differently than I do. You were entitled to have your own way to respond to how this match went. I think in general, because the expectation has gotten so massive with what this team is capable of potentially winning multiple titles in a single season after on the back of winning a champions league, I think that is the prism people are looking at it through. And it's now added an extra bit of burden because we also have a very competitive league and it's very minor details that is going to separate this Chelsea city, Liverpool trio at the end of the season. And I think that's where people are generally concerned. I think in my context, Nick, I also look at like who wasn't available for this game. Like, Lukaku, still uninjured. Kovacic, still uninjured. Mason Mount, not back to full fitness, clearly, as he came in just for a little bit. Christian Pulisic just getting minutes back in this Chelsea team. Uh Ziyech hasn't looked good from an attacking perspective. So, like, our attacking options have been okay to not great, and we've still gone through this run without some of our best players in attack, mostly unscathed. So, I guess in that point... I am frustrated we didn't get a win because it was there, but I am not panicking in this moment.
2: Hey, hey Nick, Nick, remember when Dan was talking about all these people talking about high expectations, but it really kind of sounded like what Dan said on the last episode about why not us and winning all the trophies. I think Dan's just projecting his high expectations on the rest of the people.
3: (laughs) Brandon, I I think I understand what you're saying, Uh, and and I think... It's it is kind of funny that I'm I'm feeling a little bit more panicked when I don't share Dan's sense of unabashed optimism all the time. Um, but uh, the, here's uh, there are a couple of reasons why I would be slightly up on the panicometer, but not nearly halfway. Like I'm I'm a let's call it a four roughly out of ten. Okay, that's not a super high mark. The reason I'm slightly more than Dan or you is because we are entering into what is going to be a very very tough uh November, December, January Club World Cup, Africa Cup of Nations, FA Cup starting back up. Like I mean our our fixtures, you know, we we kind of went through an easy patch here. Let's just be honest about it, right? Play Malmo a couple of times, you play the bottom of the Premier League. It's just not not super challenging and we we almost got out of there perfect right so fair play to dan for that comment i am very 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 concerned so this is where i'd like edge over the the concern mark i'm very concerned that this team does not take their chances and that it will come back to bite us against better opposition right and it did last year too i mean i know we have the the silver glint on, on the end of last year because we won the Champions League and, like, fair play, right? Like, of course, that is the only thing that really matters uh, when you get through a season like that. But how many times did we come out of those, like, early to mid-tuchel days going, God, we created a ton. We had a ton of possession. We had a decent amount of shots and just nothing really clicked offensively. We didn't have the right players in the right positions or whatever. And I don't think it is reasonable to assume that our wingbacks are going to save us every match from a goal scoring perspective. I don't think it's reasonable to think that the answer to our problems is Mateo Kovacic playing a once in a lifetime ball through every week. And maybe he's going to prove me wrong and I'll shut the fuck up about it. But I don't think it's reasonable to assume that that is going to carry us all season. And so I think my major concern is with the front three. How do we get these guys consistently firing on target one because we, we don't have that many shots on target and two how do we increase the efficiency of goal scoring because to dan's point we're giving up literally nothing defensively and have all year right so if we score two goals who's gonna beat us nobody really maybe city maybe liverpool on a, on a weird day right but I, you know, but I look at those two and I don't see a whole lot of mistakes in either of those two teams futures. So, I mean, we are we're playing in the elite elite category this season, a place that we haven't been for, you know, Joe tweeds will bring it up a handful of years now. Right. And so uh, our margin for error is very small. And a game like yesterday at home against a Birdling team that is absolutely atrocious, they're terrible. And I hope they go down for the love of God. I hope they go down. You have to win that game, right? And it doesn't mean that other teams aren't going to slip up. We saw Liverpool slip up last week. We've seen City slip up. I, I I get it. But at home against Burnley, they're going to pound Burnley into the dirt, <laughs> and we gotta we gotta do the same. That's all I'm saying. You you absolutely have to.
2: So so to reset real quick on the panicometer. Nick said he's a four. I said I was a three. Um, and I understand where Nick's coming from with a lot of that. You know, I say like, this isn't our best team, you know, it hasn't been for a couple of weeks with the injuries we've had. So creating chances is really hard. So the fact that we're creating the chances is a good sign. Nick, my hope is that you can literally bring in better players off of the injury list that will come in and finish said chances. Um, but what I would say, which is kind of a weird little counterpoint to that sense is that Will we play the same way with a Lukaku and a Timo in there? Or is this super fluid front three and completely different approach? Because we haven't seen that when Lukaku's been in there. We've almost kind of played long ball, damn, We've kind of played route one, try to get it to him and run off him. Whereas like today, it was much more fluid and, and a little bit more pass heavy. So uh, we'll have to see. But again, I'm only at a three because um, on you know if you simulate this game 100 times, you know we're winning, what, 94, 95 of them? You know, um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe ninety nine of them yesterday it might the have been gli-
0: glitching the matrix right. type yeah. result. Where you are like, huh?
2: And it, and it was it was only a few weeks. So I was looking back at Chelsea's fixtures. Right, it hasn't been that long since we were not getting any shots on target. Right against Man City and Juventus. Um, that wasn't that long ago. So the fact that we are now flooding teams with chances makes me makes me feel better. So, anyways, uh, dan and I, and I
3: will. Right, can, I, can I just quickly yeah. bring up a stat before Dan gets in here? Because I'm, I'm looking on FB Ref. Nick, um, a stat. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> I can do it too. Uh, um, so I'm on FB Ref. I'm looking at Chelsea in the Premier League, right? Shot creating actions per 90 minutes, and this is like an average of all of our squad players, right? So, obviously, Mendy is going to have zero shot-creating actions per game. No. I mean, the, the man does everything else, right? So, we're good. But we average 26 shot-creating actions per game, right? To get in, And the, the characteristic of that is uh, minimum 30 minutes played per squad player to qualify, right? Uh, a shot-creating action is two offensive actions directly leading to a shot, such as passes, dribbles, or drawing fouls. A single player can receive credit for multiple actions and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Then goal-creating actions per game, 3.91, okay? So uh, goal-creating actions is two offensive actions directly leading to a goal, same kind of thing, right? But we go from 26 shot-creating actions per game to roughly 3.91 goal-creating actions uh, per game. And I would say that there are a couple of outliers in there, obviously Norwich being one of those, that, that bring that average up pretty significantly. But we, like... There's a significant gap, right, between, like, big ch- like, the Premier League website, will call it, like, big chances created and stuff like that, from where we, like, go, and we talk about the stats every game to, to what actually results of that. And so I, I just, for a little bit of context, for everyone saying, oh, but we've scored a bunch of goals and blah, blah, Like, I had a, a person my mentions yesterday saying, uh, cool, but, like, how do you up that? Because... We're do like we're It feels like we're doing the hard part all the time, Dan, like we're getting there and then it's like nothing.
0: What I would say is a good data point trend from what you're talking about is the fact that we are increasing the volume of shots that we're taking, but we're you know on average you know we actually before like the last like two games the average was like 15 shots per game uh these last two matches 22 25 uh Malmo and Burnley so our average now like 18 so we're still perform we're, we're getting into and actually against sides that typically frustrate us you know sides that are going to be a little more compact or going to be a little bit more defensive getting more shots is usually the recipe to score more goals. In this scenario, 25 shots, four on target. You flip back to Malmo, 22 shots, 10 on target. You look at you know, Newcastle, 18 shots, but five on target, three goals. Like sometimes it just doesn't work out right. Like Liverpool had their draw against Brighton. You know, City lost to Palace. Like the Premier League is a super tough League In the entirety of kind of the teams that you have to play against and credit to Burnley, they 100% know who they are and they play the same shithouse way every single match where they are time wasting from like minute one when they're falling over after scoring the goal, trying to slow down play completely like Dice has zero budget. He has zero like pole. And they somehow continue to stay up in the Premier League by playing this way. And it's super infuriating when Kai Havertz is going to, you know, kind of try to get a shot. But the person's already diving into the lane in the hopes that they're going to get there because there's four other guys around who do the same thing if his dive doesn't work.
3: I I mean, I would say, though, you know, let's look at the Newcastle game, right? A game that we deserved to win 3-0. I wouldn't have put Reese James's laser rocket left foot shot from an angle that is very hard as a as a, a a likely chance that we're going to see that repeated week in and week out right i'm a little more worried brandon about the actions that lead to easier chances to finish and we had one yesterday where ruben's streaming in at the near post easy tap in of course the burnley guy throws his face in front of the ball and it goes out right that's just unlucky because the the opportunity's there but there aren't many of those. Like, we saw that early in the year where Reese James is just knocking, crosses into Lukaku. He's like, yep, that's a tap in. That's another tap in. There's a tap in there, right? We're not – it's not easy for us to score. You know, the Rhys James has to put the ball yesterday on an absolute dime for Havertz to go bam, right? So I, I think that's where my head is at a little bit and why I'm a little frustrated and why I'm a little bit anxious for the upcoming fixtures because – you know, Liverpool score at ease. Now their defense isn't nearly as good as ours. But, I mean, it, it is just a little harder for us to to score for whatever reason.
2: It, it has been. A lot of chances. You know, I, th- I think, you're, you know, Christensen had, you know, probably an easier oh. opportunity. Right. We could go on yeah. and on and on. But a couple of things that did work. Right. So Barkley. What? Dan, you wrote that? Ross? Yeah. I, <laughs> Who? I actually
0: think he. The. Is
2: it preseason?
0: It, I, it I think that's not. what Tuchel told him beforehand before he went out. I said, hey, but that was the picture of him walking before the game with Ross. It's like, hey, Ross, you realize it's preseason, right? Ross like, no. Yeah. No, it's not preseason. It's November. No, no, it's preseason, man. Just, just just, be cool. It's preseason.
3: Ross, nothing on the line today, man. We're going to sub you after 70 minutes. Just have a good performance, huh? Come on.
0: Look, uh, no great shots. So uh, that was, you know, but endemic of maybe the entire team. Mm-hmm. However he found a way to really find space and get the ball, move forward. And there were a couple of times that he wasn't the only one who lost possession. So like, get your narratives out of there. Like, just because you don't want Ross Barkley to be successful. He's a Chelsea player. He's playing in a match to hopefully win us a title. You have to back him. And I think on the day, I actually think when he came off, I was pretty surprised. I thought the obvious sub maybe to me was, take Conte off, put Ruben on, get another body that's going to continue to push the ball forward, that's going to try to unlock another big body that if we do get one of these bajillion corners we have that you've just got another tall guy in the box that might be able to kind of bring it down. But I thought in the day, Ross was one of our better players. And if he can be a productive squad player like this come on. He pro—he probably is better in a substitute appearance in this role, Nick. But in general, I actually think he had a, a pretty good day. And I don't think subbing him off was the right end outcome either.
3: I agree. I mean, I, I'm... I was really disappointed that he was subbed off. I thought that he carried the ball. Like my thing with Ross and I put this in our, our text script to Joe. So I'll call myself out. The thing with Ross is when he carries the ball and he, and he does carry the ball. Well, we've seen him carry the ball. Well, he does lack a little bit of awareness about who's around him and can get the ball taken off of him pretty easily. And I think that leads to the frustration that you saw on, on Twitter yesterday. But overall, I thought he was our most creative player by a mile yesterday. And what was finding spaces that are that we're when we are used to the offensive flow of this team, we're not used to seeing a player where Ross is going. He's doing something a little different, which I like. Um I think, you know, to an early tweeds argument in, in this type of, of match, you don't need Jorginho and Conte in this game together. I mean, bring another Shouldn't. attacker on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't I personally don't think you do when you give up as little as we did, but. I think bringing on another attacker for Angola or for Jorginho, either one, uh, was the right move. And I thought both of them played really well yesterday. I thought both of them were, were great. But I think you needed a little bit of extra oomph uh, up top. And so you might bring on Mount earlier or Pulisic earlier. And I know they're both a little wonky with injuries and illnesses. But, I mean, I would have, I would have done that a little bit earlier because, they, again, we just needed more players creating stuff. We didn't need... The shield in front of the shield in front of the big, you know, um the big goalkeeper. So th- that was, I think, a really good point on on Barkley Dan because I, I was kind of similar to you. I just thought he was doing something a little bit different than we're used to, and I was grateful for that because I'm tired of the same old patterns. Again, uh for those keeping track at home, Barkley is now above
2: Seoul in the pecking order. So,
0: well, he's playing. But here's the interesting thing: he's playing an attack. He's not playing the midfield.
2: Yep. But we've also so that, seen, that we've also seen him come in before,
0: sure. So, but so. It, it seems as if he's finding a different role, and Tuchel is willing to play him in a different area. So, just interesting, interesting point of moment. You know. it's also
3: he he played in that in that ten, like a proper ten role yesterday. I mean, Callum and Kai were pressed so high that he had room between where the defense, you know, their their block of four and four and two, right? Uh, He had room between midfield and attack to carry the ball forward. And, you know, I think he played a bunch of really critical passes too, up to Kai, up to Callum, up to Ben Chilwell, who got forward a lot yesterday. And so I, you know, again, I love Mason Mount Mount in that role. And I think if I had my druthers, he would be the player to play that role. You know, if we were going to go to up top and Lukaku and Kai, or Lukaku and Werner, Kai and Werner, whoever, you know, whatever the combination is, is playing up top and we have everyone back. But, Barkley carries the ball super well. Ruben does too when he when he got into the game and was playing that role. So, I mean, I think there's there's some flexibility in, in the way that our offensive movement goes, Brandon, that, that to me signals that this could be a formation for us. Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, we saw a lot of good ball movement, you know, but again, there's a lot of time and space. You know, Burnley were busy fortifying their 18-yard box. Um, <laughs> Dan, you were pretty upset, like almost violently angry yesterday at the subs from Tuchel. <laughs> violently angry.
0: My violently angry is like, oh gosh, this is really unfortunate. Gosh darn
2: it, not again.
3: <laughs> he, he, he's, been, he's been writing angry letters. Just dear Thomas. Dear Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> I've found I've, I've found a little fault with your I actions. I take umbrage with your I most recent up.
0: substitutes. <laughs> uh, Can you uh, make I, those I just, open letters, please? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we hit 400 on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, look, I think, I think the subs disrupted the flow of the attack, and I think it didn't seem like Christian nor Mason really were at the maybe the pace that they needed to be to come on and try to help win this. I. I, I But again, like, you look at your bench, you know, you don't have Timo Werner. You don't have Lukaku. Um, I just probably would have made the switch to bring Kante off at a certain point and, A, continue to protect him because we know that he is maybe better getting maybe 70, 80 minutes now. And maybe you get him a little bit of extra rest there. And you bring Ruben on because you didn't use him for 60 to 70 minutes, so you can now use him for 20 and feel okay. So I think that's maybe where... The flow just changed. We weren't finding the space as easily. And I think that's what Barkley was helping us do um, for kind of the majority of the game. You know, Callum and, and Reese were going, you know, re- working really well on the right-hand side. Callum was not necessarily great kind of getting the ball into um, some of the forward attacking positions um, as, as much as we would hope. Like, but also, Burnley was not giving much quarter there either, so... It was a tough assignment for him.
2: All right. Uh, some of the average positioning, I think this is interesting just to touch on lastly. Pretty much Christensen and Silva were the only two defenders. Uh, Rudiger was up next to Jorginho and Engolocante And then you had Rhys James, Ross Barkley, Kai Havertz, and Ben Chilwell as a second line of four. And Callum hudson Adoy up there on his own as the north star. No one else around him. Top right corner of the graph. Uh, always stretching as much as he could in in this formation. Uh, but just goes to show you, I mean, extremely attacking in that sense, Reese and Ben, uh, all the way up there, you know, with the other attackers, as you would expect, especially when a team's gonna sit back. And speaking of them, right, Reese James and Hudson Adoy, is there like a, a song here pattern that I've missed, Dan, in your in your words, your yeah. titling?
0: No, Reese James is just playing like two players right now though. Gotcha. He's so good in offense and defense.
2: So uh, we should talk about them. Uh, add up to Joe tweeting seven. Only Mo- only Mohamed Salah, 16, McHale Antonio, nine, and Jamie Vardy, eight, have been directly involved in more Premier League goals this season than Chelsea's Rhys James, who's been involved in seven with four goals and three assists. Delivery. That's right. Our right wing back is up there with Mohamed Salah, Mikhail Antonio, and Jamie Vardy. Those are You'll his peers. Those Nick. are all
3: strikers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is we're playing Rhys James out of position. Well, I mean, I think it's
2: obviously working. We're creating the space for the man to go be super successful. Um, Reese James is fun to watch because off the pitch, he's so quiet and reserved. On the pitch, he just turns in to his, his other identity, and it's football Reese. And football Reese is you just you're so we're so lucky he's on our team he can smash people he can dribble around people he has speed and apparently he has the technical ability to hit half volleys on his left foot into the far corner uh of the net like it, it i don't want i shouldn't this. elizabeth does this little dance it's like reese's pus, reese's pus, and she does it whenever like reese says something hilarious nick and i have to get it on video
3: but like even she really is do. celebrating yeah. reese james at this point Uh, Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I I mean, he's playing out of his skin and, you know, this is, I think, much closer. I mean, take the okay. let's take the goals and assists off the table. I'll let Dan talk about that. I think the style in which he's playing and the attitude that he brings to this team is incredibly crucial to where we go this season. It is clear as day to me, a person not playing for Chelsea, that he is a leader on the team, that his physicality and his leadership have uh, made opponents scared of him, um, that he is not, you know, not going to back down from a hard challenge, that he's he's up for it. And I, I think this is, you know, all a product of him winning a champions league at such a young age that his confidence is over the moon add into the fact dan that his technical ability has allowed him to produce four goals and three assists this year and you're looking at a real monster and there are a bunch of people talking about him versus trent alexander arnold yesterday which one should start for england yada 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 um and who knows what southgate's going to do and frankly that's not as much my concern um as as what the us does the next time around but uh, this guy is absolutely on fire and probably England's best right back.
0: Well, I mean, you just play all your defenders because that's how it works for Tommy Tuchel's side. So Gary Selgate, we should just pass along the node. play your defenders, win games. Um, I, I think the interesting stat from Squawka was that 2019-20, two assists, 24 matches, 20 2021. Two in 32, and now he has three assists in eight games. So his curl on the crosses is getting a little more lift, and it's getting, you know, we're finding people are actually where they need to be to help convert that opportunity, too. Like Kai's getting forward, others are getting forward, actually giving him a target to aim at which is maybe where some of the challenges were like last season, is they weren't always in the box waiting for that opportunity. And so you're seeing Reese improve, but you're also seeing the system improving, players moving forward in a little bit more of a conjoined fashion. And I think this is going to be something that the team continues to try to exploit, Brandon, for the remainder of the season.
2: Uh, The technical term are the crosses are being whipped in there, Dan. They're being
0: whipped in. Whipped? Is that with a, uh, a W?
2: Whipped. Absolutely R-W. whipping them in. Uh, hudson uh on the same side today, right? He's last match, you know, they flipped him. He got the the good ball in. He went from left to right. Started on the right today. Turns out maybe his best position is right wing, <laughs> not left wing. And uh, Squawker breaking down his numbers as well because they were that damn good. Callum Hudson-Odoi's game versus Burnley, 100% take on success. 23 passes attempted, 21 completed. Nine touches in the opponent's box. That is a ton. Five chances created, three big chances created. Three shots, two on target. Uh, Super unlucky that he did not, um, when he cut in from his right to his left, and he just hit it right at Nick Pope. uh, I was like, goal, cash money. He's got it. Unfortunately, was not able to do much with his left as far as putting it to either one of the sides. But again, just... I mean, if we think about the last three years for him, right, up, down, up, down, is he going to Bayern? Is he going to Dortmund? Where? What's going to happen? Chelsea, give him a big contract. He's ruptured his Achilles. Like He's been through a lot and not a long amount of time. Multiple managers, right? Sounds like him and Lampard didn't really see eye to eye. Uh, him and Tuchel, not really. Now, all of a sudden, he's back in it. We'll have to see what happens when he gets healthy, Nick. I mean, it it'd be very hard on Callum to take him off at this point. And granted, you're playing the 18th, 19th, and 20 teams in the Premier League, but he is looking good. He deserves the chance
3: to play someone like a Luster or someone higher up in the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, add into the fact that you know, I don't. I personally don't think we're going to have a healthy bunch coming back from the international break. <laughs> I mean, like, let's just, you know, factor that in for a second. But I mean, I I think for the most part, he's done pretty well uh, over the last handful of matches. I would like to see him shoot more personally, but that's just, you know, that might just be me. Um, So I I, I don't really, you know, I'm probably just picking nits there. Uh, But but that, I mean, because that's a, where
2: he's at. He's doing everything else that he should be. He's beating players. He's getting to end line. Yeah. He's hitting crosses. You're just putting the last piece in the Callum puzzle.
3: Right. Because Well, and it goes back to my first point, though, right, is just efficiency in front of goal. It's like I, I think and he's a he's a prime example of doing the hard part and then maybe not having the easy part down, um, you know, like his his second shot after the Pope save yesterday I would have bet the house that he was going to slam that into the far corner because he's, you know, he's a really good footballer. Um, But yeah, I mean, I want to see him continue to play, Uh, you know, there will be a moment though. And I think just brace yourself. If you're, (laughs) if you're on the Callum train and you don't want to get off that he's not going to start every game. And that will be because you have big Rom coming back or Werner coming back or Pulisic coming back. And, you know, depending on how he trains that week and depending on how, those players trained that week, he might not play. But I think it would be shocking to me at this point, Dan, if he doesn't continue to get serious minutes this season because I think he's done a good enough job in the small sample size that we've seen him play uh, to to get there. Um, I, I do think the one interesting wrinkle on yesterday as a final point was that in the kind of two up top, uh, both players were played on on their strong foot side so he was actually on the right more yesterday than on the left and kai was more on the left than on the right and so where we usually have those two inverted so that they can take shots from uh, distance uh, on their on their strong foot coming inside they were both kind of played outside and uh and it was interesting to see his positioning up on the right hand side because we haven't seen that for a while
0: and the one thing that he will probably have wished he had done in this run is score at least one additional goal. I, I think when you look at, there's a lot of players right now sitting on that one at the moment. <laughs> Kovacic, Christensen, Alonso. Um, but when you kind of look at, you know, Havertz down on four, Lukaku on four, Mount obviously got all three of his in a singular game and almost penalty, but... You know you're starting to see, you know, a little bit of the separation there. Um, you know he would have been level with Timo, and then like you start to have some of the statistical pieces, which I'm sure factor into some of the decision making that Tuchel and his team are going to use. Well, you know when you're making the tough decision on okay, well we know we're going to start Lukaku, but then you're building out the other one to two. Okay, well we're probably going to start Mason, but then like where that third person comes from, you make a, a, it harder to or you make the the question harder to answer brandon i i think that's where if he had done maybe just a touch more he probably finds himself in a better space but he also is not taking a call up to the u21s for england and he's staying back at Cobham to train and to continue to get his get his place solidified so i think he's doing all the right things that you would want to be someone who could be not just a squad player but a starter
2: So just real quick on that, I I would maybe counter it and just say to be fair, most wingers aren't expected to score a lot of goals. Um, Mane and Salah are outliers, uh, especially Salah. They want to see him beat players and and put the ball in his really good service. Because, again, you think, what if Lukaku or Timo or, you know, maybe Kai's in a different position, they're there. I still think that they'll look at it as success and assume that, again, when other players are there, maybe it'll convert. Because if he would have gotten four or five assists in the same amount of time, you wouldn't even be worried about him scoring goals. So, we'll see. But, of course, goals solves
3: everything. (laughs) I I don't think he's a traditional winger, though. Like, if if I can be, if I can maybe, like, counter the counter. Right. I think... You know, the, the traditional winger is Chilwell or Reese James. Like, that's who's playing wing for us, right? Uh, he, I think he is probably expected to, you know, have a decent balance between goals and assists playing that far upfield. And my hope for him is that those big chances get uh, scored, right? Because then that makes him look amazing and, and everything kind of goes away. And then I hope he, I hope he starts taking a few more pops at goal too, because we know when he when he comes in from the left and and curls that ball far post, he's a weapon, man. And and I hope that he starts to do that a little bit more. So
2: I wanna, I just wanna pause because we had some really good things to talk about, right? Reese James, Calum Hudson, Adoy. But now we're gonna go to the Dan of the match,
0: or are we? Well, you know. I- it kind of the, the attitude online after the match wasn't great, so I decided that we would just not run one for this match. So
2: the kids are being unruly, so you didn't give them their toy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the basis <laughs> of it happened. Uh, I, I, I did notice that the club didn't run one necessarily right afterwards either. Um, oh, we could have captured the entire market, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> the reply. I, I don't know if that's the market you. The want. replies would have been <laughs> salty and probably personal. Look, like the uh, the only type of salt I like is savory salt from David Chang's Momofuku, and that is uh, that's it.
2: Okay, uh, well, some of <laughs> instead some of the other results from the weekend. So Liverpool and West Ham are playing right now, and as it stands, West Ham are actually winning one nothing as they head towards halftime. So that would be a massive uh, result, but it also ironically would just put West Ham closer to us. So uh, pick your poison there. Uh, Villa, uh, Southampton being Villa, and uh, they have now sacked their manager. So Dino is out at Villa. Uh, City smashing United 2-0. That felt good. And no, Ole has not been sacked. So let the train ride. Uh, Palace 2 Wolves nil. Connor time, right? What, what a guy. Still doing the business. Uh, Brentford completely forgetting what they were good at and losing 2-1 to Norwich, who then fired their manager as well. So Billy, on a high. yeah, yeah. Hey, congrats on your first win. Sia. which I'm assuming that means they finally got good um, news from the person they want to replace him with. They're like, oh, you are ready. OK, yeah. Regardless of result, Farka is gone. Uh, good news for Billy, we assume, right? We, he, we have not seen him uh, since about the second match of the season. Uh, Brighton drawing with Newcastle, Everton drawing with Tottenham, uh, which is good to see Tottenham squabbling with their new manager, uh, Antonio Conte. Leeds drawing Leicester 1-1, Arsenal beating Watford 1-0. And West Ham, like I said, is currently up 1-0. Let me confirm. Yes, 36-minute 1-0 still. So Nick, look at this table, right? It's is, it is an interesting week. We talked about pre-match that Chelsea are top playing a bottom team, but City were playing United, which was three, which is two versus four. And West Ham were playing uh Liverpool, which is three versus five. And so it was like this is a chance to beat the lower bot teams while our rivals are playing other top four, top six rivals, and we dropped a couple. Yeah, we,
3: yeah, we so dropped two. <laughs> that's a couple. We dropped two. It's a couple technically, Dan. Fact checking. Um, but yeah, I mean, these again, this is a weekend that you could have, you know, had twenty eight points heading in and uh, and done a little bit more damage to to that part of the table and and put yourself in a better position uh heading into next week into some tougher fixtures so i think just having that those drop points kind of makes me pause a little bit but it's not you know we're still on top of the table and and will be um through the end of the the weekend so all right Well, as it stands, if we assume that West Ham do beat Liverpool,
2: just flip them. If not, Uh, Chelsea in first on 26 points, Man City on second on 23 points, uh, West Ham third on 23 points, Liverpool fourth on 22 points, Arsenal continuing to rise the table, three wins in a row undefeated in five. They're up to 20 points in fifth place. Man United dropping to six on 17 points uh brighton still hanging around in seventh on 17 points tottenham are ninth on 16 um leicester city still struggling 12th on 15 points but again one win essentially takes them back to the top six so the is still tight uh then lastly at the bottom you got burnley and 18th on eight points newcastle 19th on five points and norwich Now level on points with Newcastle in 20th place on five points with that win. Send them down.
0: Those three going down is actually like the perfect three. It is absolutely the three that should go.
2: Newcastle are now the only team in the Premier League without a victory. Cool stuff. Love it. So.
0: long may it last. (laughs)
2: Anyways, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Burnley match review. Sadly, not what we were hoping to be doing, but we got to face the music where we are. So big week ahead of pods. We're really excited about it. Uh, go check out Nick, Jesse, and Abdullah on the women's review. Uh, we've got content from Joe Tweed, Chelsea Youth coming. It's going to be a big international break, a lot of mail So stay active following us on Twitter because we we'll gonna be asking for a lot of questions throughout the week. Uh, but always Discord. We'll send a notification asking for questions through our Patreon. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.